Good morning. And uh, Merry Christmas, according to Richard. And according to Walmart. So uh, I took this picture uh, on Monday in Bryan. And so uh, they're better coincided with what Richard said than we are. Um, they're starting Christmas off now. So I remember when I was a kid, uh, all the adults, my parents and so forth, were bellyaching because people would start Christmas before Thanksgiving. And we are starting Christmas before October. And uh, it's a crazy deal. So uh, Merry Christmas. And we're just going to skip over the other two. Halloween's gone and uh, Thanksgiving's gone. And we are now in the Christmas mode. So I, I haven't heard Christmas music yet, but it's coming quick. That was back in the day when, uh, when I'm talking about my parents. That was back in the day when, when gas stations started opening up on Sundays. This was in the 70s. And the church was just going berserko because a gas station would open on Sundays. And um, that was back in the day. Let's turn to uh, scripture. We're going to go to John chapter 1, verse 3. Now, you heard me right. Verse 3, John 1, 3. Not 1 John 1, 3. John 1, 3. And then we're going to go to Colossians chapter 1 and read uh, some verses there. So I'm going to start off in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. I'm going to start with verse 1 and read to verse 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. If you now turn to Colossians chapter 3. I'm sorry, chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15, 16, and 17. Verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and, him, and in him all things consist. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for its truth. Lord, I pray that your truth by your spirit will move us daily as we rise, get up, even when we go to bed. Our entire existence will be for your glory. And we just say this in your name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. You have your Bible with you. Turn to John 1. We're going to be looking at verse 3 today. We've been going through a study of the Gospel of John. And John presents Christ as God. Hence the title of the series is the Deity of Christ. And today we're looking at Creator of All. We're going to see that Christ is the agent of creation, which speaks boldly of, of his deity. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll begin, all right? Father, we come this morning. We thank you for this day, for this opportunity. Pray for this time set before us, that you would grant us insight and understanding to your scripture. Father, I pray that you direct me as I teach this to that I'd rightly divide your word of truth and speak it clearly and accurately. And Lord, that you'd 
direct that thought into the hearts of your people and that your spirit would make application for them personally, wherever they may be, whatever they may be uh, uh, dealing with in their personal life. Lord, let them see that through you, all things are possible. And so, Father, I pray this and ask this of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You look here at this passage of Scripture. We spent a lot of time on verses 1 and 2, laying a foundation for the Gospel of John. And this is still foundational. What you have in the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 18, are actually like a prologue to the book. It sets forth what he's doing in the book. He's presenting Christ uh, as the living God. And in this third one here, third verse, he says, all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. The word all things is the word panta. And it means all things in totality. All right. So there was nothing that was that exists today that was not made. And he lays the foundation before that in verses one and two, where he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the, and the idea behind beginning there is before anything existed. How far back you want to go, God was there. God is eternal. There's never been a time that he did not exist. And so he was there. Then the word was with him. And who is the word? Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is none other than Jesus Christ. He took on a human body and came here to live on earth and dwell among us. So when he says all things, that is a totality of the whole created order. He says all things were made through him. Now, as we look at that word through, it's the word di, which comes from dia. And a, a good way to explain dia means to be through to the other side. It's a preposition. And our word diameter, for example, has the, has the word dia in front of meter. And so what the word diameter means, it means across to the other side. So when you're talking about the diameter of a circle, you're talking about going from one side to the other side, all the way through, all the way across. That's the word that's used here. It says all things were made through him, all the way through the person of Christ. What it is telling us is that the Lagos was the father's agent for creation. In other words, the creation came into existence from the father through the son. The son is the creator. That's the way God established it and designed it. Look, if you would, at Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, and look at verse 36. Romans eleven thirty-six. 36. I refer to this as a doxology. It says, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And this, this idea of of him, through him, and to him establishes the fact that all things exist for God. They exist by God. They are there for God, and we are a part of that creation. All that is made was made by God 
for himself. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. And you'll get a little better idea maybe of this, uh, this idea of through. Go to Matthew 1 and 22. Matthew 1 and 22 says, now this is speaking about the birth of Christ. It says, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by our Lord through the prophet. There you have it right there. See, it was God's word spoken through the prophet. The prophet was the vessel by which the word came. The prophet was the way in which you were able to receive that word or to understand that word. So in the creation, the father is the source of the creation and the son is the agent by which it comes. He is the creator. He is the one that brings it into its existence. As we look at our passage, I'm back in John 1, 3. It says, all things were made through him. That's very significant because the word him there denotes personality. If, if you remember last week when we looked at uh, verse 2, it says, he was in the beginning with God. And I told you the word he there, the Greek word really means this one. Okay? It doesn't break it out as he. Our English translation says he. But in reality, it would be this one was in the beginning with God. And when you get to verse 3, he uses a pronoun. He says him. And what that means is personality. He has personality. And he has personality prior to verse 14. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Why do I make that distinction there? I make that distinction for this reason. Many people that have a, a misconception of the deity of Christ will say that Christ, at His birth, became God on earth became God. He's always been God. All the incarnation was, was God veiled his glory with human flesh. And so he has personality, meaning that he's an individual. He is distinct. A member of the Godhead. All things were made through him. So Christ the Word, the Lagos of God, who became flesh and dwelt among us, made all things that are in the world. 1 Corinthians 8 and 6, that passage speaks to it also. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us, there is only one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for Him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we live. He is the agent by which the Godhead brings the creation into existence. It's through the person of Christ. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2. Hebrews 1 and 2. I'm going to begin in verse 1, so go ahead and back that screen up. God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us 
by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So it was through the person of Christ that all this came about. He is distinct and he is apart from his creation. So what you have is you have the Godhead, and this is before time and matter exists. God brings time and matter into existence. He speaks it into existence and it become. It is not a part of him, okay? And he is not a part of it, but he brings it into existence is what he does. Now, what's the importance of that? The importance of that is this, that when you go into Eastern religions, Hinduism and Buddhism, they will teach that the creation is God or that God is in everything in the creation. You have two basic trains of thought. You have pantheism, pan meaning earth, theism meaning God. Pantheism teaches that the earth is God. Panentheism means that everything on the earth has God in it. And see, that, what that negates is it negates any necessity for a person to trust in Christ and to be born into God's family. Everyone is in God's family and all those religions teaches you're trying to fan the flames of God to come out of you. That there's a little bit of God in everybody, which is a false teaching. Hence, a lot of the new age teaching today borrows from those Eastern religions. And it'll talk about us all being a part of God. That's where all this nonsense that's in the world, the animal rights movement, and all this kind of stupidity that's out there comes from. All these animals were all part of the family. We're all together. <clears throat> no. <laughs> the creation is distinct and different. We're all not a part of the Godhead. The Godhead is distinct. And that's what the scripture is saying. He is a person. And then he brings the creation into existence. The whole creation is affected by sin. When, when, the, when the world was plunged into sin in the Garden of Eden, all the world is fallen. As Paul says in Romans 8, the whole creation suffers as a result of the sin of the first Adam. And the last Adam comes to redeem that creation back to God. So it's distinct and separate from him. But he is the creative agent of it. When it says all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made, it means there is no physical thing that exists. There is no spiritual thing that exists apart from God. Everything is there by him. And when he talks about being made, the word there is genomai. It's in the aorist tense. It means it came into existence, boom, at a set of time. And so we know that when God created the heavens and the earth, he created them clearly with age. You go back and look at the creation. Adam and Eve were adults. Trees were bearing fruit. And so what that tells you is man looks back at the creation and tries to figure out how all this came about with his limited ability of thinking. And yet God created the whole creation, the rocks and the dirt and everything, the trees, everything there's got age. What man calls age, 
God created it like that. And so man takes something that's taken place now and looks at it and then extrapolates from that well for it to get in this state. It took this many years for it to get here. So therefore, if you back up, it'd be this old. And so man tries to date. And what the problem with man's dating is he's constantly going back and changing the date. God doesn't change the date. He said, I created it. I brought it into existence. It came into being. I spoke it there. And it's a mass confusion for man because you cannot figure God out apart from God's own revelation. Therefore, you can't figure out his creation. There are mysteries in the world that force man to have to face the hurdle of God being in the way. And that's just the way God designed the world. The world is designed to draw men to their creator. I mean, the next verse we're going to look at in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. In other words, the revelation of God shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend it. See, man is incurably evil and wicked and sinful. And that means everyone in here, including the one speaking. We are evil and wicked people desperately in need of a savior desperately in need of deliverance from our wretchedness and our corruption. And so it says God speaks this world into existence and it comes into being. So he is the originator. Look at Colossians 1, a passage that David read. Colossians 1, 15. Colossians 1 and 15 and it says, he, speaking of Jesus Christ, he is the image, the icon, the physical revelation of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, firstborn doesn't mean that he was born first and then the creation came about. Firstborn, as it's used there, prototokos, means a place of preeminent. It has nothing to do with time. It has to do with position. So the firstborn is the one that is in the position of total ownership. The one that is in position of all the rights and privileges. Under the concept of firstborn in the Jewish mindset, the firstborn had all the rights and privileges of the family. In other words, they were the next patriarch of the family. They were going to be the one that would lead the family beyond that. When he talks about Christ being the firstborn over creation, what he is saying is Christ ranks in preeminence over the creation. Why does he rank in preeminence over the creation? Because he brought it all into existence. The creation was brought about for him. And that includes every one of us. You have to understand that your life belongs to God and your purpose in life is to bring glory to God. That is throughout the Bible. That is all over the place. It says in verse 16, for by him, Christ, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. In other words, all the galaxies, the stars, everything in the heavens and everything on earth both things that are visible and invisible. So we can see things here, but you can't see galaxies that are far off. 
or as they say in a movie, far, far away in that galaxy. That, those galaxies exist out there. But there's also a spirit realm that's invisible. We have both a physical realm and we have a spiritual realm. And you and I cannot see into the spiritual realm. But the spiritual realm is very real. It's very real. So real that Paul devotes half of the, of the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians to it. He says, for you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There is an active spiritual world that's actively engaged against the things of God. And so it says that, that Jesus created all these things. Now understand this, they became evil when the fall came, when they fell, when the, when the angels fell. I believe they fell prior to man's fall, but that's a whole different sermon we'll spend some other time, but they are fallen, okay? They are in opposition to God, but not all of them fell. So they're what we call elect angels, of God that serve before the throne of God that are ministering agents here on earth that God tells us that you entertain angels unaware that his angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are going to inherit eternal life. So they're actively involved in the creation, even though you can't see them. They were created by Christ, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him, through the person of Christ, and they were created for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. What does that tell you? He is the front end of creation, he is the tail end of creation, and he holds everything in, in between creation. Everything exists by God. That is a clear definition of God. He's an absolute authority and a position seated above his creation and all of his creation lives to serve him. So let's look at some, let's look at some other passages that speak to this. Go to Psalm 33. We're just going to rifle through these things. Psalm 33 Six, Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. What does that mean when it says let all the earth fear God. You're supposed to walk around scared of God? Mm -mm. It means to respect God. It means to recognize his position as firstborn over all the creation. That my life rests in his hand. I don't walk in fear like that, but I walk with a reverential respect. Hence, if you look at that verse and, and follow it through, it says, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. That's the fear of God right there. That's what the fear of God is. Look at verse nine. For he spoke and it was done. That passage I told you in John 3, 1, 3 is in the aorist tense. It means he spoke the world into existence. Boom, right then. It's not continual action. 
It's boom, one time. He commanded and it stood fast. Look at Psalm 136. Psalm 136. This is Pages chapter right here. 136.5. To him who by wisdom made the heavens. And what do you say, Paige? Is she around here? Take. For his mercy endures forever. <laughs> to him who laid out the earth above the water. For his mercy endures forever. To him who made the great lights. For his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. See, God spoke it into existence. It came into existence, and it came into existence for him. He is the creator of all. Look at Psalm 146. Psalm 146, verse 5. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever. That is the creator God. Look at Psalm 148. Psalm 148, verse 4. Praise him, you heaven of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He has also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all the depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, Princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. That is what we mean by ranks in supremacy and priority over all creation. He is the firstborn over it all. He brought it into existence and it exists because of him. He holds it together. Isaiah 42, 5. Isaiah 42, 5. What does the prophet Isaiah say? Isaiah 42, 5. He says this. Thus says, the, says God, Yahweh, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the peoples, as a light to the Gentiles. 44 of Isaiah, chapter 44, verse 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am Yahweh, who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of the babblers and drives diviners mad, who turns wise men backward, who makes their knowledge foolishness. See, that's what a sovereign God does. He establishes himself and nothing else can compete with him. You take the wisest people on earth, he can turn them into fools. 
He can reveal them as fools because he alone is creator. He alone is sustainer. He alone is sovereign over all. Look at Ephesians chapter three. We'll look at a New Testament passage. Ephesians chapter three. And look at verse nine. Ephesians three, nine. I'm going to back up and verse, verse eight first. To me, Paul, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all people see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Christ is the agent of all creation. Now, what is the application or the implication of this? Well, the application or implication of this is very straightforward, and it's this. If God created the heavens and the earth, and he did, he spoke them into existence, he reigned supreme over them, nothing can compete for his glory, he alone is wise, he alone is all-knowing, and he is in absolute control and holds it all together, and you or a part of that creation. See what this is, is an argument from the greater to the lesser. If he has done all that, certainly he can resolve any issue in your life. Right. You, see, you see where it's coming from? That's what he's talking about. That's why this understanding is important. Because see, we live in a sin-broken world. The world is fallen, it's corrupt. And things in the world don't work like they should. People don't treat you like they should. People do evil and bad things. You and I do evil and bad things. Because we live in a fallen world, there are diseases and there's calamity all around. You go through life minding your own business, taking care of your own stuff, and out of nowhere, some fool can come along and mess your whole world up. Trust me, there are no shortage of fools in the world. You agree with that? Amen. You'll be having a good day. And just with one flip of the tongue, someone can ruin your day. Right? Yes, yeah. People will meddle in your life. Things will come into your life you have no control over. And what's even worse is this. You have no way to resolve a lot of those issues. You take, for example, someone that's sick, has a disease in their life. There's no way they can resolve that. They can go to a doctor and a doctor can treat that. But understand this, folks, all healing comes from God. No matter what you face in life, no matter how big the issue is, if God created heavens and earth as he says he did, and he's in such a control of that, that he says not even a sparrow falls to the ground, but by his will. That is a level of control and insight and knowledge that so far supersedes anything we're capable of comprehension. Most people just blow it off and say, yeah, yeah, I know what the Bible says. <laughs> Stop and think about what that means. And then Jesus followed it up with this statement. He says, aren't you of more value than a sparrow? You bet you are. 
Why, how do you know that you are? You know that you are because this creator of heaven and earth came to earth, took on a human body and went to a cross and died for the sin that is going to destroy you. And if you die unrepentant, will destroy you in the lake of fire for all eternity. You think about that. This God laid down his life to redeem you. And trust me on this. This God can also take care of everything that comes up in your life. Now, the frustration comes in that he doesn't work on our timetable. You know why? The three letter word, God. God does not work for you and God does not work for me. God does what he pleases according to his own way. But we know this. We've looked at the attributes, right? That God also loves me. The Bible's very clear on that, folks. He loves me. He's also omniscient. He knows all about me. He's omnipotent. He has all power. So he can bring about whatever there is. And the whole idea of Scripture is this. Put your trust in God. The scripture we just read says all creation sings praises and glory to God. Jesus himself, when he was on earth, when he was coming to the city, he said, you know, even if these people don't recognize who I am and give me glory, he said, I can bring life into these rocks and those rocks will cry out and sing to me. How can he do that? How can you make a rock sing? He's God. You understand this? There's a lot in the Bible that are mysteries. And we say, well, I don't see how that can happen. Because we look through a lens that is dim, that's affected by sin. But with God, he can do all things. He can bring about anything he wants, even if you can't see it in Scripture. If God says it's going to come to pass, he will move the things around on the board to make it happen. That's how he is. So instead of worrying and fretting about what's in your life, understand this. Your life is in the hand of God. And God loves you with an everlasting love. Look in Psalm 121. We'll close with this one. I know in some of your minds you're saying, that preacher's lying. They always say this thing about their closing. But he's going to jump to some other verse. You watch. This preacher ain't going to do it. We're going to stay right here. Verses 1 and 2. Watch this. Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. See, if he made heaven and earth, there is no issue in your life that he can't resolve. That's why your hope needs to be in him. That's why you need to look to him. That's why you need to trust in him. He is creator God. He existed before anything was and everything that is, is because of him. And it's from him, through him, and for him. He's the beginning, he is the end, and he's the sustainer in the middle. And you put your trust in him and you will not be disappointed. Put your hope in him. Let your hope rest in him. No matter what life may bring to you, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're never separated from him.
You will always be in relationship with him. So you can face anything. Because see, when this life ends, for the believer, it just gets better. Death is not a tragedy for the believer. Death is a tragedy for those that are left behind. Because we're left alone. And we have sorrow and sadness because we wanted to spend life with that person longer. We wanted to interact with that person more. But they were promoted into the presence of God where they are eternally thankful and grateful for what they have. Why? Because that's the ultimate end game, folks. The ultimate end game is to dwell with him for all eternity. And that's where we're headed. So for the believer, death is the beginning of greatness. Death is the beginning of glory. And death is deliverance from everything a fallen world has to offer. No more suffering sorrow. No more heartache. No more shame. No more guilt. But eternity with the creator God that brought everything into existence for himself. And that's what the believer longs for. This life can be a great disappointment. Don't put your hope in this life. Put your hope in him. Put your trust in him. Where does my help come from? It comes from God who created heavens and earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that our hope, our security, our existence rests with you. Lord, let us be people that look to you and not to the hand of man. Let us be people that look for you in all that we do. And let us fulfill what your word says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Let us be people of the word and people of God in all that we do for your glory. We ask and we pray this in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen.